listening to the Fit Nation Lunch and Learn podcast. These audio files have been taken from our bi-weekly Lunch and Learn webinars. If you'd like to watch these, sign up at fitnation.co forward slash webinar. All right. All right. We are broadcasting now. So welcome, everybody. I can see now that a couple of the attendees are, are jumping in. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for taking the time to join. We're going to just give it a couple minutes here before we get started with the, uh, with the program for today, just to give everybody a chance in order to, uh, to make it in here at, as attendees. So while we're waiting, uh, feel free and, and take the opportunity in order to use the, use the chat functionality in order to just jump in, introduce yourself, go ahead and say, you know, where you're, uh, your name, your business, where you're from as well. This way we can go ahead and get those introductions uh, kicked off. If you're going to do that, go ahead and change the, uh, the to section from all panelists. That's what it says by default. And change it to all panelists and attendees. This way you're able to go ahead and send that out to everybody. Yeah, and then uh, if this is your first time, you know, we're obviously a, a, a global organization. Uh, so we're all over the place today. So uh, myself, Derek and Sylvia are, are, are taking this uh, call and webinar today from, from Medellin, Colombia. And then uh, Junior, uh, I'm, I'm sure this is probably the first time a lot of people have, uh, have met you. You're in San Diego, right? We're, yeah, we're in San Diego, California, Pacific Beach, San Diego. Right across the block, the, blo the ocean's right there. I can see the beach. Could be, you poor thing, man. Could be worse. Yeah, all horrible. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. <laughs> And I just saw there that Catherine just put a post. Hi, Catherine. Welcome from New Orleans. Hey there. And then while we're waiting as well, let me go ahead and just do a quick, uh, quick technology check and share my screen. You guys should see the brand new reintroduction of the webinars. You uh, see a presentation that says Fit Nation. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, so I think we are right at 12.03. So let's go ahead and uh, start kicking this off. Again, thank you everybody for taking the time to join us. Welcome to the first webinar that we're calling Fit Nation. Uh, if you guys have been with us in the uh, webinars in the past, we originally kicked these off because uh, this was a uh, platform that we were using in order to be able to get together business uh, owners uh, from the industry so that we can talk about you know, what we're doing in order to deal with uh, COVID and uh, how we need to pivot our businesses quickly. So after doing that for some time, we decided to change it up a little bit. So we uh, will obviously still talk about you know, COVID and the impact that it has on business, but we really are finding these to be very valuable so that we can continue the discussion uh, on other areas of, of business as well. And so, uh, we're doing it during the lunchtime, hence it's called Lunch and Learn. So without uh, further ado, let's go ahead and get it kicked off. So start it off with a quick round of intros. Uh, maybe we can just keep it easy, go from Junior, Derek, and then myself. Hey guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. My name is Junior Leoso. I'm the owner of Pacific Beach Training down here in San Diego. 
excited to share some info with you. All right, so I'm Derek. I'm the Director of Corporate Wellness at Virtue Gym. So I'm working directly with our corporate partners as well as our providers, uh, helping them with their programs. Also had the pleasure of speaking with Junior several times. So I'm looking forward to extracting some more good information from you today, Junior. Yeah, and my name is Kalen Pino. I'm the head of the U.S. market here for Virtue Gym. Uh, and Derek and I are going to be going through a, a great program today so that this way we can learn a little bit more about uh, uh, Junior, his background, uh, how he got started within his career, his advice for new uh, professionals, lessons learned through, through his time, and so much more so that this way everybody can take that, that wisdom and experience and be able to apply it to, to their businesses whether you are just getting started, you're a personal trainer who is starting off your, your career, you're a, a gym, a studio who's been around for you know, 20 plus years, there's going to be something in here that's relevant for everybody. So let me go ahead and stop sharing my screen now so that this way we can uh, roll into some of the questions that we, we have today. So um, for, uh, I know you gave a, a brief introduction already, Junior. But yeah, let's let's dive into a little bit more detail, especially for those who uh, who haven't had an opportunity to listen to the uh, past webinars. Can tell us a little bit about you know how long you've been working in in fitness, and how did you first land in the world of fitness as a career? Uh, so I've been going now twenty years, almost twenty one years. Um, I first started in a well known big box gym uh, in two thousand during my days in college. And I got started because really as an athlete, we kind of lived in gyms anyways, and we're always running and playing. Uh, but ironically, contrary to popular belief, I was not a big uh, weight lifter. I wasn't a big powerlifting fan. You know, I loved playing football. I loved boxing. A lot of our training was, was based around the sports stuff. So that's how I actually got in there. So much of my time early, early years spent in the gym was my own knowledge, running around what we used to call then the Group X rooms or uh, the aerobics rooms. We do a lot of stuff there. So that's how it all began once upon a time. Awesome. And, and how, long, how long ago was that? When was, uh, when was this? So my first, my first start was in 2000. Would have been just about the summer of 2000 uh, because I was going into my uh, sophomore year playing football and um, one of the local gyms was hiring and we had started out there gone through the the 90-day program and got ramped up as trainers so yeah man 2000 that's crazy to say to me that's like five years ago that's literally yeah. five times ago like people and, who and more than can almost legally buy alcohol in the united states that's gnarly oh man now now you're dating us i'm feeling old and uh, for, for, for when, uh, from when you joined until now, how have you seen the industry change since when you started? Uh, specifically from like a training perspective, I mean, I think now more than ever, we're starting to see things physically as a whole again, which is a good thing for clients, um, which I believe long ago before selectorized weight training became a thing, people knew, right? There's a lot of holistic healers, a lot of people who understood the body worked together mind body soul bones muscles tissue uh, but then there was a specific time when bodybuilding became such a fad 
uh, and such a powerful sports outlet that the gyms really just started mimicking powerlifting. And like I said, for myself, when I first started, I didn't really know much about that kind of stuff. We, we did it to get faster, to have better agility on a field. Uh, and we were kind of introduced to these selectorized muscle days, you know, a chest workout day, back workout day. And that's pretty much been prevalent since the late 80s, early 80s until right about now. Um, I think what's changed for the better is that trainers are becoming more well-rounded. They're becoming smarter. Uh, I, would, I would challenge anybody to think about a, a gym 10 years ago even, let's say 2010, I'd argue that most of the trainers, including the gyms that I was at, were bodybuilding-focused guys. And that's what you did. There was you know, three, four-day splits. You had a leg day. You did a chest day. You ate a gram of protein for every pound of body weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas now people are taking their backgrounds and gnawing into the fitness world, right? You're starting to see a lot more fight-specific gyms, spin mm -hmm. studios. Uh, coaches that have backgrounds in stretching, breath work, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we've become more well-rounded in the fitness world today than ever before. And I really think it's only going to get better. Yeah. And, and, and now for a lot of people who uh, don't know, obviously you, you are the owner of Pacific Beach Training now, um, but you didn't always start there. I mean, you, uh, you started as a, as a student athlete, right? And it wasn't student athlete to, to gym, gym owner. What was the the path that you you took in order to be able to, I guess, one kind of realize that this is what you wanted to uh, to do, and like, how did that evolve over time? And then maybe even, you know, what were some of the mistakes that you made early within your in your career on that path? Uh, so I was a trainer for a long time, and going through the big box gyms, you know, I. I followed that trajectory. You know, the goal was to become a high-earning trainer because back in the old days, uh, when we used to be trainers, we would have to get paid on a sliding scale based upon your education or certification, right? So this gym that everybody probably knows very well would pay, would you get a pay raise every time you got a, another notch on your belt? And so for a long time, we chased that. You know, trainers were ever, ever going to courses and ever learning more about weight training, going to stretch classes, et cetera. And so you kind of follow that path. Uh, for me, that path led me up into management and running my own team of small trainers, eventually becoming a general manager. And then later down the road, I was recruited by another up-and-coming company, uh, LA Fitness at the time, was starting to really make a name for themselves and opening mm -hmm. up a whole new branch. I was lucky enough to get swept up in their market growth up in the Northwest. So Oregon and Washington, they started growing. I was really lucky to be there at the time, with the people that were there at the time, uh, who kind of, for all intents and purposes, groomed me for the back-end stuff, for the business stuff. Uh, going from the trainer to the manager, uh, obviously anybody that's listening to this call understand this is a vast difference. Uh, there are a lot of good players that don't become good coaches and vice versa. Um, I was particularly lucky for the handful of uh, people that kind of were grooming me at that time. So I went into the management side of things and spent a lot of my early years there. Where I felt like I was making a mistake is I was drifting too far from the stuff that I loved, right? I was drifting too far away from getting sweaty and running around and throwing medicine balls at people. And I was now finding myself in the back offices, sitting down, always in spreadsheet meetings. And it wasn't really speaking to my soul. Uh, it was 
definitely speaking to my bank account. I was feeling really good then as a young guy with some money, uh, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And after some long, hard decisions and breaking up with that company, uh, the people there really did help me. And I found out that, hey, if I'm going to do something about it, I'm going to do it my way. And uh, I was able to break off and start my own business up there in the Northwest. Uh, and from there, I never really looked back. So I opened my first training studio. This would have been in 2008, 2009. Uh, from then, we've, we've successfully owned, managed, and sold that, that store. Uh, my wife and I had moved to Las Vegas in 2010. We opened a facility there. Um, definitely bit off more than we could chew at the time, but learned the hard way about uh, going too, too fast too soon. Uh, we did find we, we ended up making it work. We were surrounded by great people there as well and eventually made it here to San Diego in 2012, uh, where we've successfully managed and owned gyms now for going on nine years. Mm -hmm. So half really never really left fitness in general. It was just more of leaving the ditches for, you know, getting, getting with the clients every day, moving to the management side, understanding that, that piece of the puzzle, which ultimately, although might not have been the funnest days, ultimately is what groomed me to be able to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, I think you said that you opened your facility 2008, 2009. So it wasn't exactly when the economy was looking its strongest in that. So that, uh, I like two questions on that one. You know, what was it like to, you know, being able, uh, doing that? Because I think many business owners who are, con or, or people who are considering doing that in this moment can learn a lot from it. And then the other kind of follow up question to it is, uh, how, like, what similarities? and differences do you think would exist now versus versus then? Um, so ignorance is bliss. You know, people, people tell you that all the time, and, and it is so true because when you're broke, you don't know that it's bad out there, you know? And I was pretty broke at the time that I decided that I was going to be a business owner. So having any money at the time was, was a blessing. And had I really probably understood the scope of the global economics at the time, I probably would have been uh, in a different mindset, but I had no idea. Um, I just knew that I wanted to do something. I had people around me that were willing to help. Um, so we did it. Lucky for us, uh, our model at the time was a private training studio setup. So we literally rented what was a converted office space into just enough size to put a couple of squat racks and some dumbbells. And that's what we used. Uh, outside of the Northwest of Portland, Oregon, the weather isn't always favorable, but when it is, we were able to use the outsides. Um, from that time till now, if I could give anybody any insight on how to do it if you're considering doing it, I'd say wait longer. Um, if you're just now thinking, hey, my goal is to open up my own training facility, that's a good place to start. Don't burn the bridges you're on now. As a matter of fact, I'd ask for help from the people that are going to be in your corner. The last thing you want to do is jump off too soon, too fast, too soon. You don't know what's down there. You don't know what's out there. And you're going to be by yourself. So if you're considering doing it, take some time. The options are always going to be there. Take three months, six months, take a year, plan it out, save the money, get your investors, make sure that the people you're currently working with are going to be having your back when you do go out there because you don't want to be a trainer in a world full of trainers where nobody likes you and nobody's going to help support your business. Having said that, what's different now than back then is people are a lot more aware and conscious about their health. 
we are in a time now, and especially in cities like San Diego, where health is almost the number one priority, right? The economy is going down. People are losing their jobs. We're not buying as many expensive cars. And yet supplement sales are going up. Online fitness sales are going up. Online fitness product sales are going up. And what that tells you is people, as we get older, especially, we start to understand that all that other stuff isn't really as relevant if we're not healthy. And people are really chasing that, which is a good thing for everybody on this call. And it's a good time to be in this industry because we're almost, and I wouldn't have said this 10 years ago, but we're almost bulletproof. Um, you're doing the right things and helping people. This is what they're trying to do. They are more than willing to spend the money on you, on your products and services than any other exchange of projects out there. And that's a great place to be. Yeah, awesome. And, and yeah, the, the, we're, we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges and that that existed and, yeah, and sharing a little bit of vulnerability on the, mis the early mistake that you made. But, you know, from, from the other side of it, you know, looking at the accomplishments in that, you know, you've been running a business successfully uh, and uh, multiple businesses successfully since, since uh, 2008. So things went right there. So, you know, what, it, what is the secret sauce? What are the, what's the, you know, the biggest accomplishment that you think set you off on that? Uh, I mean, I, I will always tell my, my staff as well, um, it in my opinion, it takes three things. You have to want it. You gotta love whatever it is you're doing. I don't care what it is. If it's skateboarding or opening a gym, you gotta really love it because most of the time is gonna be spent by yourself with your own thoughts. So if you don't love it, it's gonna be hard to hype yourself up all the time. That's number one. You gotta love it. Number two, you gotta work really hard at it. And that doesn't mean you know for us in the gym, training at your hours and lifting more weights. That means doing all the other things. That means securing facilities, making sure your gear is acceptable to the clients. So you got to work hard. And the third and final thing, which I believe is the missing link in almost all of it, is you've got to have help. At some point in your life, somebody with more power and status than you in the business or outside of the business has to say, hey, man, I've got a guy who's hiring or, hey, i got a guy who's got a, a project going on or, hey, I'd like to help you. And when that happens, you have to be willing to accept the help. And you have to be willing to pay it forward when your time comes. Because if you do everything right, you'll be in the position someday to then say, hey, I'm going to help the next couple guys. Because Lord knows if it wasn't for a dozen people or so in my lifetime throughout this journey. If they didn't say, hey, man, I believe in what you got. I'm going to help you out. If it wasn't for them, I'd be a trainer, making my hourly rate, and I'd still be wanting to do something. I'd still be working hard. But you need to have that hand up. And the hand up doesn't come to people who don't love it and don't work hard. So the first two are paramount. Yeah. When the third one presents itself, make sure that you're ready and make sure that you take that help and then pay it forward when you can, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with, um, you know, with, you know, taking that and kind of pivoting now into your, your company itself and Pacific Beach Training, you know, what, what, uh, what are, what is it about Pacific Beach Training? Like, what is the culture like at your company and, Kind of your your philosophy and ethos as far as how you run your business and how you think it uh is different from what you see out there in the industry well we're pretty lucky because we have a small operation right uh so we treat everything just like our family uh, and we say this in our staff meetings we say it to our members you know i'm not going to really have anybody in the business long term that i wouldn't have in my home right i'm not going to have uh we're not a humongous facility so we don't have to just let everybody in in a good way. We can pick and choose the type of people that are groomed to fit our culture. 
This is a family place. We spend a lot of hours in here. We probably spend more time together than we do with our with our spouse and children at some times, right? So we have to have that kind of culture here. Um, and the benefit of that really is it bleeds down into your service. If you treat everybody like family and you truly want to see somebody do good, what better field to be in than the health and fitness field? Try to help somebody do good, be better, to live a healthier life. And that starts with the way that we treat each other. The staff members have animosity or the staff members don't get along, man, it's not going to work. But if the staff members love each other, they truly are like brothers and sisters in here where we're going to help each other when we're failing. We're going to pick each other up when we're down. I want to call each other out when you're getting lazy. That culture is going to bleed down into the way we coach our clients. And everybody will say that. If there's something that I've been super proud of over the last few years is when people talk about us on social media outlets or put us on the Google reviews, uh, that's something that always comes up is that we treat each other like family. That's a heartwarming thing. That means it's working. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think sorry like guys, for... we have a question. <laughs> it's for junior. So I prefer to, to do it right now. Right. To enjoy this wonderful time with you junior. So uh, the question is from the Joey. I apologize is if, if it is not like that, but uh, this person says, good afternoon. I was wondering, what do you feel will be the biggest mistake when marketing yourself and business organically? Good question. Yes. Marketing. Marketing is, a, is an entire beast by itself. One of the worst things that you can do and one of the best things you can do to avoid it is to not falsely market yourself or set false expectations. If you guys are listening to this interview and you're telling somebody that they're going to get abs in eight weeks, or they're 12 weeks away from some booty lift. Stop it. Don't be a part of that problem. Do not tell the people that because you and I both know that's not true. Having said that, one of the best things that you can do organically to market yourself is start in your local area and pick one little niche. If you really love running, don't tell people about your 12-week strength training program. Tell them about a running group. If you really love stretching, tell them about a 10-minute morning stretch that you're going to teach everybody. Be specific. And don't be a liar. If you be specific to something that's true to you, it's because anybody's going to pick up the phone, call you and say, hey, Johnny, I want to take your 10-minute stretch routine. And you'll be able to talk about it with wholehearted facts. And you'll talk about it with passion. And people love that. That will bleed into the rest of your training program. I hope that helps. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and if anybody <laughs> else has any questions, feel free and, and, and drop them in. Yeah, we're, um, we're happy. Yes. I mean, this, this interview is for you, for you guys. I mean, if it's just... just us and Junior, I mean, we would just be going through, you know, the, our own questions, but this interview is as much yours as it is, as it is ours. <laughs> so if you have a question, go ahead and drop it in there and we'll, we'll definitely bring it up in the, in the interview itself. So, so keep them coming. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yes, actually, Kaylin, I apologize. We have another one. Yeah, and bring it up. that question is, uh, how can you effectively market and recruit clients when you are operating, but when your operating budget is low? How can you com compete with free programs as opposed to getting clients to pay for your program? Good question. And I think this one comes up a lot. Uh, yes. and, I, and I want everybody on here who's a, who's a coach for a living. If you guys are listening and you're a professional trainer, professional coach, let's keep applauding the freebie. Okay? Because those guys are free advertising. How cool is it that it would cost you a thousand bucks to go and shoot a video Tell somebody about how the benefits of weight training can help them lose body fat when some chick next door is going to do it for free, right? Let them tell the story. It's okay. 
you and I both know that if somebody's giving away programs for free, they either are really good at it, they have a back-end product, or they're just starting there getting attention grabbers. Okay? So free marketing is never a threat to us. Only help us. Okay? Secondly, the way you compete, stay local. Don't try to break out too, too vastly. Online marketing is all about your, agit or your, your budget, budget and ad spend, right? Now, you want to be super selective. So if I'm in San Diego, California, I'm not going to run a nationwide campaign with everybody all over the country. As you learn more about how the marketing budgets work and paying per clicks work, you'll start to understand how hyper-focusing is your best friend. There have always been a billion coaches, and there always will be. You will get them. Be effective with what you do. And it's okay for you to give out free stuff as well, right? Uh, I don't know how you guys do it in your gyms or for your training, but there should be some type of grab. Not everybody is going to be ready and willing with a credit card in hand, and that's okay. You know, if you're confident in your skill set, I have no problem giving away one, two, three free private lessons because I'll probably lock that person in for five years. And not as a bragging thing, but when we bring people in, we get it done. And we have a clean system. People feel like they're in the right place with professionals. And we lock them in forever. So don't be afraid to do the same thing as well. If you really feel like, hey, everybody in my neighborhood is doing free workouts and free boot camps, offer one too. Do a free boot camp. Just so you guys know, uh, for the better part of nine years, my team and I have done a free workout across the street at that beach every Sunday at 8.15 a.m completely free. Go take our butts out there. We set up 25 stations with kettlebells and hydrocore bags and cones. Teach the community for free, whoever wants to jump in. And I can't tell you how many sign-ups we've had since that over the years. Um, it's a simple, effective, easy thing that all of you guys on this call can do tomorrow. Pick a day in the week, pick a time, start training for free. Let the community see who's out there. It's the same way for us. We hardly ever go out and buy something new on the first try. Most of us want a free sample at Costco, a test drive at the dealership, so on and so forth. It's nothing new, so I would, I would partake in that if I were you. And, and then, you know, with the, with the marketing and maybe even the business model in, in general, uh, how have the past few months, you know, caused you to rethink the way you're marketing during this time and maybe even structuring your, your business during this time? That's a good one because we're all kind of in this together for the first time. And... What it's done for us is, you know, one, I got to give my shout out to Virtual Gym here because uh, during the first shutdown, Virtual Gym pretty seamlessly allowed us to transfer over online uh, when we were able to leverage the, the ad banners to, to add our Zoom links and uh, make it super simple for clients. They really hardly even noticed, to be honest. Um, but what it has taught us is that we can do so much better at the production of our online. Uh, we were able to do it, and I think for all intents and purposes, we were pretty raw, right? Uh, we were teaching classes online. Um, we, we were teaching classes online and talking to people directly through the cameras. So, you know, we had a lot of up-close faces, <laughs> you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, what it's taught us is that we can do better there. Um, our processes and our products and our, and our plans were perfect, uh, but what wasn't was the way we were shooting the videos and streaming them. So this time around, we've done much better. As far as the marketing goes, for us personally, we just pivoted uh, with our price points and we turned all of our in-person ads off for now. And we are doing only the online program. So as some of you guys know from the previous calls, uh, we do a $5, $10, $15 uh, 
uh, online package, those have been pretty successful. Those are keeping us afloat. And hopefully, when this all blows over, some of those people will transition to in-person clients as well. Yeah, definitely. And there, there was another question in here here as well that that's right along the same uh, same uh, path of uh, conversation that we're having. So this one's from Felicia. So she's asking, how can you effectively market and recruit clients when your operating budget is low? And a follow-up question on that is, how can you compete with free programs as yeah. opposed to getting clients to pay for your program? Yeah, same, same thing. Uh, don't feel threatened by the, by the freebie, guys. Uh, and I would encourage everybody to do the same. Whether you do group classes, especially, now hear me out, especially if you guys are in the group training world, there's no reason why you shouldn't be offering free clients. You're already there. Uh, there's zero reason for you to say, ah, oh, no, you got to pay for this. Invite everybody. Everybody should get a free three, four, five, six a week. Give them a free week. And if every, at the end of every month, if you have, you know, the past three weeks that people have tried you out and rolling on the first, you're going to be crushing it. There's no reason. Now, if your business model is only one-on-one, -on -one, limit it to what you feel comfortable is in your schedule. If you're a newbie, your goal is to do 40 sessions a week. You have 10 hours of personal training book. You should be doing 30 hours of freebies. And you should be making sure that your time is used effectively. If anybody on this call is not working their full work schedule and then complaining about their income later next month, we only have one person to blame, and that's us. The same goes for me. When my in-person clients go down, we immediately kick our butts and put them online. I don't know if you guys can see, but we've got a table back here and all the water back there. This is where all of the trainers will sit, and we all have four laptops, five laptops across, and we all are giving out free content, Instagram Live, doing online training, etc. So if we're not booked, we're teaching anyway. I encourage you guys to do the same thing. If your operating budget is super low, hold off. Not everybody has to go big, right? This is going to be a way for you to scale. If your operating budget is low and you don't have that income yet, start locally. Go door to door. Host an outdoor boot camp. Host a parking lot boot camp. You should be boot camping your butt off because you have nothing else but time. Once you earn an income, you can scale one of those boot camps down boost your online marketing for one of those boot camps, so on and so forth. Let's say you start out with five locations. Once you start killing it, remove one, take that ad budget and pump up to four. Remove one, pump it up and bump it up. Who knows? You might end up with two full high-paying boot camps, and then you don't have to worry about personal training as far as an income is concerned. But make sure that if you don't have the budget, you better have some time, and then we can start trading budget for time as you scale. Well, so so, Junior, what I'm thinking about is, obviously, uh, you're someone who's been, you know, you're a humble guy, but I'm going to say it for you. You've been very successful, uh, whether, whether you're admitted or not, you have been. And obviously, you've come up with, with great ideas yourselves, but you also talked about how you've had, you know, dozens of people who have really assisted you over the years and kind of, I guess, forming your strategies, forming your, your thoughts, et cetera. So, I'd be curious to know about your relationship with mentors uh, do you currently still have mentors? Are you meeting with them regularly? Are you using them for strategy? Is it more so inspiration? What's kind of that relationship you have? And that's a good one. And so I talked about that third pillar uh, about people being ready to accept help. And you're going to have to have that at some capacity in your life. Uh, and for me, that's a certain. Uh, I've got a handful of mentors that I still stay in contact with. Two of them live here, so I'm lucky to meet with them. One of them has been a longtime client of mine. Uh, matter of fact, no joke, today's the 30th. Today is his 88th birthday. No, no joke. Today, he turned 88 today. 
this gentleman has been with me for some time now and I've been a major influence on the business side of things. And, you know, be the first guy to smack your hand when you're reaching too far outside of your realm. And be also the guy to kind of push you forward. Uh, this, this gentleman specifically um, has multitudes of successful businesses and just by sheer hard work. I mean, the guys, one day, I'll tell you his name in private, but uh, one day there'll be a book about this for sure, if not a, if not a full feature film. But, um, yes, I meet with him weekly. So we do a, we do a coffee weekly, um, and we sit down, and I bounce ideas off of him. Um, and he helps me with all those things on the back, the back side of the business. On the front side of the business, I've got two gentlemen that I rely on heavily that are other coaches in the industry. One of the guys has been around for a long time and runs a very successful martial arts business. And this is the guy that I go to to say, hey, I'm going to go do this thing, and I'm going to make this flyer, and I'm going to offer this class. And he'll be the guy that I wait to see initial reaction uh, because he's never going to bluff me, you know. And what's really cool is these two guys that I talk about want to see me speak. So there, there's no agenda there, right? You know, there's no, like, when you tell your buddy something, the first thing they're looking at you is like, oh, I don't know about that. And really what they're saying is not that they don't know about that idea. They're saying they don't know about you, right? And it's kind of disheartening. So when you're lucky enough to find mentors that want to see you, well, uh, hold on to those guys. And a mentor doesn't have to be some ancient 88-year-old guy. It just so happened to how it was for me. It could be a younger person, right? It could be somebody who understands uh, the processes of running a business, any business, be plumbing, doesn't matter. But they understand what it takes to manage people, manage a schedule, and how your outward appearance uh, is reflected to your potential clientele. And all those things help, I think, all too often, personal trainers especially get caught up in, you know, I got to have some abs before I do my Instagram ad. And that could be, couldn't be further from the truth, man. Couldn't be further from the truth. So, yes, I have mentors. Yes, I, I see them and speak to them regularly. They are critical to my success. And if I understood correctly, you also have not necessarily mentors just in the industry, but outside as well. Is that just kind of help shape that? all-encompassing thought and try to get diverse viewpoints of someone from a very different viewpoint? Yeah, dude. I mean, it, it happened organically with this guy, but because his perspective had nothing to do with fitness, he really never had any advice to give about weight training or the equipment, right? Because he's coming from a pure perspective of this is how you do right. This is what you're supposed to do if you're going to do things right. And it, it just gave me so much more of an eye-opening exposure to, wow, there are a few things that I was doing that were kind of iffy because I was pandering towards guys that wanted to come and lift weights. I was pandering towards girls who just wanted to use yoga pants and take Instagram photos. Now he had me really thinking about the business as a whole, and I cannot tell you, financially, it's blown our business up uh, over the last six years. Financially, taking and heeding his advice has skyrocketed our income from a perspective of being more open. And not being afraid to, to, to not have, you know, the gym that just has the, the supermodels and their lifting weights. And then, game changer. Game changer. Yeah. Junior, I can tell you, I also um, was fortunate to have several mentors still have them. I'm constantly trying to get more as well. And oddly enough, back to what you had said before about the, the don't, uh, don't burn bridges, that's something that was taught to me with my very first mentor relationship. And I kind of had a similar experience 
without going into details, I took the advice. I could have gone a different way with some kind of social interactions, et cetera. I maintained that relationship and was afforded an opportunity later because I didn't burn that bridge. So obviously that was really good advice that, that mentors gave both of us. So maybe the hardest question of the day for you, Junior, if you look back on kind of all those different advice that you have received over the years, I guess in addition to that one, what are some of the other big ones stick as like, wow, these are like golden rules I really take to heart? Uh, without a doubt, man, and I think it's hard if you don't have children yet, but without a doubt, it's to spend time with the family. So this gentleman that I'm speaking of, uh, particularly worked his butt off for the better part of 60 years probably, right? Three or four multi-million dollar companies. None of them were sexy companies by any means. They were just things you need to have in life. Um, and it's almost heart, heart-wrenching when you talk about it and you bring it up, uh, especially in our neighborhood. There's a lot of very uh, uh, affluent people here. And one topic that comes up a lot is, man, you know, if I could, I would spend more time with my kids. Or if I could, I would have more vacations with my family. And being a young, younger guy uh, with a five-year-old, I really take that to heart. And I think to myself, okay, that that scares me enough to think, man, one day my kid's going to be a grown And the last thing I want to hear him tell his friends is, I wish my pops was around when I was a kid, you know, or I wish this. So without a doubt, outside of business, outside of the gym, the best piece of advice that these guys ever give me is to make time for your family. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is. Hopefully one day we all get lucky enough to retire and spend some time with people. Better hope that your kids are going to want to spend time with you. <laughs> you know, that's, that, is, uh, that has been a cornerstone for me. Uh, I get up early, get to work, I finish, go home. And one of my personal goals is to always maintain whatever energy I have for a client in here to maintain that same energy, if not more for my kids and my wife. And uh, no doubt about it, man. I meet people. I try to build upon the base of relationships. Whether if you're a single dude and you got homies and you got your parents around about making sure that we're being healthy and fit and we're being the best version of ourselves so that we can go be the best version of ourselves with other people. Know, for people with families to do the same thing because you can see it in their eyes you can see the older guys you can see the stories they tell you like i wish i would have done that or people that are finally retiring early saying man i'm going to dedicate the next 10 years to my kids because i missed the first 12 years and i think well i'm not going to do that so far and away dude spending time with the family don't let that time get away got it no i think that that's powerful for news as well and i'm sure this is going to be an assumption, but I feel pretty, pretty comfortable about this assumption. A lot of people probably come to you for, for mentorship as well. I wouldn't be surprised if you've had people reach out to you directly just from you know, some of the conversations um, we, we've had in the past. And I think, yeah, we could talk about the, the business component or you know, like the, the fitness industry, but I think a lot of it's like intrinsic desires as well. So we already asked you about, you know, what would you do differently? You would kind of give the recommendation if you were starting again to be a little bit more patient. But, you know, once again, you're humble. So I'm going to say for you, you're a successful guy. What are maybe some of the the intrinsic things that you think are going to be key to that personal success? Understanding who you are and who you want to be around. Um, it took, took a long time for us. You know, nowadays, the younger guys have the power of, of social media and the Internet in general, right? You have a question, you can get an answer. Feel a certain way, you can get some insight and instant feedback. You know, uh, when I was in high school, I don't even know if we had a computer up in there, let alone the internet. So we didn't have 
that stuff yet. We kind of went through the rigmarole of listening to your elders and finding out over time. The benefit for the guys nowadays is they have time on their side. They can, they can get instant access to information. Um, intrinsically, people need to understand who they are first. And that's not going to happen tomorrow, right? That's, that didn't even happen for me all the way yet. Who you think you are today can change tomorrow. And that's okay. That's a big part of, quote, unquote, discovering yourself, right? Is that what we wanted last year wasn't wrong, even if we don't want it this year. It's just different. Times change. And, you know, the, the, the fruits aren't going to go to the strongest or the fastest. They're going to go to the people who adapt most, most often and most quickly. So... If I could give any insight to the younger generation of guys coming up, or even to ourselves, it's spend a little bit of time figuring out who you are now and how you can support yourself. Talk to yourself a lot like you're talking to somebody else who's having a bad day when you're having a bad day. You know, sometimes it's easy to beat ourselves up. We go home, things aren't going perfectly, bills, whatever, family, whatever. We go, oh, man, come on, step it up. But we, we wouldn't really necessarily talk to our brother like that, our sister, our mother, you know, whatever helpful pat on the back with a little bit of compassion and love for the first conversation. And maybe tomorrow you can say, all right, pick your butt up. But today have a little bit more empathy and compassion and treat yourself the way that you would treat somebody else. It's a difficult task to learn because it's kind of weird in the beginning, right? But it's what we need to do, especially in a time where uh, quarantine has become such a common phrase. Uh, if people don't come out of this better, you definitely can't blame I didn't have enough time. We have nothing but time while everybody's sitting in their houses working from home and can't go to the club. You know, you better come out of this a little bit better. So intrinsically, find out who you are and find out who you want to be around. And that'll solve a lot of your problems. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to piggyback off of what you were saying in there about how uh, it's not the smartest. You, were, you said it's not the smartest people that are necessarily going to be the most successful but the ones who are able to be the most agile. And we've spent a little bit of time talking about, you know, where you saw where the industry was when you first started, where it is now. Maybe we can kind of change gears and talk about, you know, where, where it's heading. So kind of with that uh, being said, you know, as you kind of are, are looking and, and seeing where things are, things are heading within the industry, what do you think is going to be uh, happening uh, next impacting the industry? Uh, economically or maybe some trends that that you might see picking up steam and uh or any others that jump to mind yeah that's a great question especially for now uh and i'm and i'm betting my business on a few of those so with with all of the things like our shutdown here in california if you guys are experiencing that in whatever city you're living in uh as it pertains to trading specifically what you're going to start seeing a lot of is a lot of these breathwork coaches, breathwork programs. It is going to be sweeping the world very fast. Um, and I believe that wholeheartedly because the fire has already started with the education of breathwork. And of, of course, it's not new, right? Yoga practitioners have been preaching this for a billion years. Uh, but as we all know, it doesn't really catch a head of steam until the mainstream people start getting it, right? Athletes, influencers, and that's happening in droves right now. You have as many pro fighters, NFL football players, world champion soccer players starting to speak about, oh, yeah, my breathwork coach did this. And I learned a lot about my diaphragmatic breathing doing this. And if I were you, wherever you are, I would get on board. I'd spend some time researching the topic, get yourself familiar with the dialogue, 
get yourself familiar with the anatomy. So same way you familiarize yourself with strength training anatomy, I'd get yourself familiar with breathing, as silly as that sounds, because we happen to do it on autopilot. Some of us better than others, but it happens on autopilot. And I would get yourself familiar and become ready to offer this as a product or service. Uh, I believe the trend is going that direction. With the reality of gyms not being able to be open in full capacity, people trading from home, this is going to exponentially grow that breathwork style, right? People are going to have less weights, less barbells, less group training, more time to do things at home that fit in their living room. These are going to be bodyweight hit classes, self-stretch, meditation, breathing, etc. cetera. Uh, as far as what I believe is going to happen is exactly that. We have talked about a few minutes ago about marketing. We've actually doubled down on our coaching abilities for those two topics, stretching and breathing. Myself and two of the coaches have gone through, I don't know, I think our third certification process in January before the first shutdown. Um, but because the shutdown happened, we just dove deeper, went for another one, and we've got double certified. We're going through the third process right now to get triple certified uh, because I truly believe this is going to be synonymous with strength training. And for the rest of the world, the next two to three years, breath work will be absolutely something that's offered as a program in mainstream. Hmm. 100% believe that. Yeah, I, I don't know, don't know uh, a lot about the, about the trend, uh, to be honest, and how, how it's being uh, shaped. I, I do know that I've, I've seen a little bit of it, but I didn't connect the dot until I'm hearing you talk, talk about it now. Uh, so what I, what I saw is that there was a speaker who brought somebody on, on stage and was talking about how to be able to control your physiology and, and how you're, uh, how you're conducting yourself, uh, just in life, you know, whether you're giving, giving a speech or, you know, in a professional setting in, and additionally, physically for like, um, uh, for performance. And one of the, the first things that he did is he, when he brought somebody up on stage was checking their, their pulse and how they were acting as they were re reacting to his, to his questions. And this person was all over the place, couldn't, con uh, couldn't control themselves. And literally all he had them do was breathe in when, when this little thing on a screen went up and then breathe out as it was going down and just magic. And <laughs> as you were seeing it, you saw, you saw the difference in pulse rate, but then you also saw the difference in the way that they were composing themselves through the conversation. It was really interesting to see. And yeah, breathe, the way you breathe, I, he's, uh, you can see how it just impacts your physiology. Yeah. We have, a, uh, we have a coach here uh, who always says, uh, in one of his key cues is, your pace, your race. You can literally pick your pace up uh, organically or slow your pace down organically just by the way you breathe. And I'll give you guys uh, my 10-second uh, advertising piece here when it comes to breathing. Way back in the old days, when you know, we have a system that's built in called our fight-or-flight system. And once upon a time, this was very important, right? Uh, I don't know, maybe an animal is going to eat us or we needed to eat an animal or whatever, right? We needed to be able to shut down our, our systems and we needed to be able to turn on uh, our excessive breathing and raise our heart rate to pump muscles to the legs so that we can get our butts out of there. But unfortunately or fortunately, that same system still exists in our body. Our brain still has those same triggers and it will trigger the muscles to do the same thing as it's always done. The bad part about that is, is that system will get turned on for a text message coming in, or we were late on an email. And so throughout the day, 
uh, our body's going, holy crap, we got to run. Holy crap, we got to run. Holy crap, we're stressed out and freaked out. We're going to die. And this is just not a way for us to live, right? We need to start teaching ourselves how to get back into relaxed state. But we're not always fight or flight. We are now chill mode. And one of the most efficient ways and quickest ways to do that is by controlling your breathing. So everybody on the call, real quick, put your hands just below your ribs where the soft tissue goes, okay? So just under your ribs. I'm going to make you see this. Here. Okay? You inhale, your belly should get bigger. So your belly should push out. So inhale. And when you exhale, your belly should get small. <sighs> Deflated, okay? That, my friends, is where your diaphragm sits. Every time you breathe, you should be breathing like that. Sometimes bigger, sometimes shallower, but it should always go out when you inhale and back in when you exhale. Unfortunately, a lot of people have what we call reverse breathing syndrome. So when they take a deep breath, their shoulders go up and their belly gets smaller. They do a, like they're sucking it in, right? When really, the way the diaphragm works under your ribs, it tries to open up. So my, my diaphragm needs room to open. So if I'm holding my belly in, not only am I not getting a full breath, but I can be triggering my fight or flight system. Every time we have tight abs, our body is kind of under stress. And I know we live in a time where everybody wants tight ripped abs, but I'm going to venture to say that in the next coming 24 to 36 months, we're going to change our minds on how beneficial this is for our psychology and physiology. That's just a tidbit. So if people start treating their abs like they treat their shoulders, massage, stretch, elongating, when's the last time you went to the gym and your trainer stretched your abs? When's the last time you massaged your abs? I don't know. When's the last time you were mindful of how we breathe, right? This goes deeper than just taking oxygen into our lungs. This goes into how our body thinks we're reacting to something. If somebody spooks you, when you, if I jump out of the door, go, boo, you're going to go, huh, right? This is protection mode. So if I'm breathing like this all day, my body's getting this signal, right? If you're sitting at home eating Thanksgiving dinner and you're chilling on the couch and the only other person in the house is somebody you trust and love, you're probably sitting on the couch and your belly is raising, watching TV, watching football. That's because you're in a total relaxed mode. So catch yourself at work all day. If you do this, man, take the headphones off, get away from the computer because your body is starting to get tight. If you feel your belly expanding and and shrinking Spanish, you're in a good place. And that's my little coaching tip for everybody at home today. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, maybe switching gears a little bit and kind of taking the trend, but, uh, trend idea and flipping it a little bit. You know, what do you think might be one of the most overrated trends within the industry right now then? That's easy. It's yeah. without a doubt. It's all these booty games. The booty games. Get your booty games. I can't tell you all the time I see the little peach in the Instagram comment, I just crack up. I just always, I have to read, I got to read it. The most, the most saturated market is by far get your booty games. And some chick's got the band around her thighs doing, doing uh, hip abductors and abduction, right? I don't know what part of your butt that's going to gain, but it's probably not the part the girls want, right? So the most the most inflated marketing and uh, uh, probably unstudied section is the booty gain section. I think mm. what ends up happening, later guys, uh, what ends up happening is uh, ladies end up with bigger thighs than they want and their butts never really grew. 
because uh, it's a very specific motion. So if you guys are out there and you're doing the 10 week booty game program, stop, stop lying. Make sure you do some, some other stuff. You cannot squat your way to a, to a bigger butt without your thighs becoming big too. That's how the body works. Awesome. Perfect. Well, let's, uh, if you guys have joined us before, one of the things we want to do as well is just make it easier for you guys in order to be able to ask the questions to, to Junior. And for those of you who have been doing it through the chat, that, that's great. And I think we went through and answered uh, all of those already. But if you would like to participate within the conversation as well, there's the possibility to go in there and, and click on this button that allows you to raise your hand. Click on that if, you, if you're brave and you want to go ahead and ask your question in chat and directly to, uh, to Junior. Feel free, feel free and do that. But also, Celia, uh, it sounds like uh, we yeah. might have missed one. Huh? <laughs> Actually, we have two questions. Uh, the first question that we have for you, uh, Junior, is I have been coaching people through making life changes to support their fitness goals. I am not a certified personal trainer. Would you suggest to get certified? I am working toward making this my primary career. Absolutely. And I've talked about this on some other calls and with my staff. I'm not a certification hound. Um, certifications to me are like a driver's license. And we all know that there's a lot of people with driver's license that can't drive very well. <laughs> That's just that. Okay. So getting your certification says, I've done the due diligence to do the studying and work. And now I'm going to start learning, right? This is where my education starts. So from a professional standpoint, if you plan to make this your business, 100% do the due diligence, prove to your clientele that you're doing the work on the back end, right? So that's the second pillar. Got to do the work. Get the certifications. Uh, I trust that more people will be better drivers than the crappy drivers, so that's a good thing. It will also teach you where you're going to want to go. Uh, when we first walk in, everybody gets the certified personal trainer certification. Where Whatever accredited fields you choose from, uh, I don't really have a favorite. But once you get that basic certification process, you'll start to see there might raise questions for you in there whether or not you're the type of person who's going to focus on nutrition, sports and agility, rehab. There's a zillion angles that you go in from there once you get that first one. So you'd probably be helping yourself out by getting that first cert. Awesome. Okay, the second question is, Junior, due to COVID-19, many people have been faced with loss of income and lack of motivation. How can you set a price fee for your services to those that are having financial difficulties? So making sure that you're doing your part first. Um, we talked about on one of those webinars about people that are deferring their rent payments, right? So if you're a business owner and you have a brick and mortar place already, um, and or your actual home, if you are receiving any type of financial benefit from your state government, from the government as a whole, from your landlord, make sure that you pay it forward. Pillar number three, if you get help, give help, right? So if your landlord says, hey, Johnny, you don't have to pay rent right now, catch me up when you can. You're gonna tell your clients, hey guys, you can't pay now, it's okay, but catch me up when you can. Don't get a favor on this end and then start poking people on this end, right? Because here we have to be thankful and here we got to be thankful. Having said that, also be very aware that this in time will pass. We might struggle for a month or two, which for a lot of trainers is one or two pay periods, right? If you're doing a monthly billing, you might miss one. You might get a discount on one. If you're doing private lessons, we probably only get paid in bulk anyway. So you can get caught up when things get better. 
I would really talk to people about transitioning into group settings versus the one-on-one. Um, we have done that with our, with our people here. We just had two or three people uh, doing some stuff to get some gear here. We pick up the gear, take it to their house. They can jump into classes. Instead of them paying their $149 a month, they're paying $79 a month or $59 a month, or whatever you figure out. Just make sure that you're paying it forward. So understand the situation, be a good human, and pay that forward. It'll come back for sure. That's awesome, Junior. And actually, we have a last one. Uh, what books are you reading now? What books? That's a good yeah. question. <laughs> Let's see. I'll show you. Uh, I just finished a book called The Mastermind and the American Kingpin. Not my normal set of books. So uh, here's, my, here's my, my list. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. We've got Social Media Marketing 2.0, Atomic Habits, Cognitive Behavior, and Talking with Strangers. These books are staples. And then I just finished The American Kingpin and the Mastermind. Totally outside the realm, but if you guys haven't heard the story about the uh, American Kingpin, uh, Ross Albrecht started the Silk Road website. <laughs> Crazy story. Largest online drug dealership in history. Made like a bazillion dollars from his laptop. Crazy story. Crazy story. Nice. And then we still got a little bit of time left. Maybe we can go rapid fire because I still have some questions here that came in uh, through the signups when uh, when uh, people people joined. So I'm gonna try and fly through these uh, as fast as we can. Some of them I, I'm not sure if we'll be able to answer super quickly, but we'll uh, we'll give it a shot. So okay. first one that we have here is um, I may be forced to let go of my studio. I'm super sorry to hear that. And but the question is, how do you build an on-demand platform? Great question. Um, I'm super sorry to hear that. And I will tell you this. It could be a blessing in disguise, right? Because if you're in a place where the clientele is already fading away, which is causing you to have to give up your studio, this is a future tell sign. So you probably are doing yourself a favor by jumping ship now and instead of holding on till later. So be prepared for some positive things. Second thing, on demand is already available to us through the Virtual Gym app. I laid on this big time. Uh, as I mentioned before, we have a $5, $10, $15 online membership. Our $5 membership is 100% solely active on the virtual gym on-demand setup that is available to us through the app. If you guys don't have it, get the service, get it on your phone. Uh, our members that pay for the $5 service, we created an easy YouTube video that shows them how to go to the app, select the videos on demand, and there's like 100 videos there already. You can start leveraging your business there today, tomorrow, right? You can run ads, the video's already edited, uh, they're already fresh and clean, they've got all kinds of topics. So do that now. Don't let your ego tell you that it needs to be me. If you're going to manage a business and have a host of trainers, no difference if your trainers are on your app, especially if the work's already done. For a nominal fee, you'd be surprised how many people are going to get on there and sign up. Get on that. Nice. Next one is, did you have investors and how does it work splitwise in profits if so? So back in the old days, I did for sure. So one of my clients was my early investor back in 2008. Uh, and you know, back then our investments were like $10,000 to buy the all-in-one uh, Cybex workout machine. Uh, so times were a little bit different. Going into this facility here, no. Uh, we have collected all of our stuff over years, um, and I never took out leases on equipment until about a year and a half ago. So I only built out what I could handle. I was not a fan of taking out loans to buy equipment, uh, but my background in sports training allowed us to, to live and build 
fitness programs without it. If you can do the same, I highly recommend you do it. Um, if you're going to do a partnership split, I would make things as concrete, clear as possible. Remember, the cheapest money you'll ever spend in a deal, the lawyer that writes the contract. Get the lawyer to write it up. Um, and then last question before we sign off. Where do you find your trainers and instructors? Craigslist. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our instructors have been with me for, for some time now. I was lucky enough to uh, find our head trainer who's sitting back there right now. I was lucky enough to find her through a mutual friend. Um, and we've been able to help groom each other through the last five, six years. Uh, my business model is slightly different than probably most. And if not, uh, if it's like yours, then great. Uh, so we have a coach for every genre, right? We have a strength coach. We have a rehab person. We have a fighting coach. Uh, we have kettlebell coaches. And so for us, we put out ads back then uh, that were recruiting coaches for that. We did a hiring pattern. Coaches were allowed to teach for free for a week. So they would pick two time slots, teach a class. We take direct feedback from the people that are going to take those classes, which are your members. And then we put them through the process that way. Um, made it very easy. If you guys are thinking about opening up a uh, small fitness studio, I highly recommend looking into the business model that we, that we use because there's less conflict, right? You don't have four strength coaches fighting over a member. If Kalen comes in and says, hey, I want to learn how to do some boxing, that's easy. We just say, hey, that's our boxing coach. And everybody goes, yeah, all right, you got a new client, yeah. So there, it takes all the animosity out of client share. What a good idea. Awesome, guys. Well, we are uh, at time. Thank you guys all so much for taking the time in order to join us today. Thank you, Junior, for, for taking the time again in order to be able to shed some, some share your wisdom with us and, and everybody. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, if, uh, if you guys found that after Junior did that, uh, <laughs> that breath work that you, you were doing it as he, we were continuing through the thing, you're not alone. I'm just doing it as we were going. I saw, I saw you, Kaylin. I was proud of you. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. <laughs> All right. Have a, have a great day, everybody. Bye.